This is a HeadGum Podcast. It's that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. With Craig Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment. We watch any TV show that they choose. We watch it. We talk about it. We talk about a bunch of other crap. We're not in my apartment. Uh, we're not in my state. Um, but I'm very excited to be with the one, the only, Mr. Dustin Diamond. Welcome. Yes, and we're not in a brothel. I feel like that needs to be pointed out. <laughs> no, that <laughs> was uh, 20 minutes beforehand. We just <laughs> right, we right. just took the ride back, and it was uh, a good trip. And and I we didn't like... return the towels. I think that's important to point out. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have enough towels in this room, so we just... Um, they're dirty, they're crusty, and... Um, we're they kinda... were dirty before we got them, Yeah, let's face it. How are you doing? And we're in Atlanta. That's the other thing. It's hot as balls. That's and right. The, hence the towels. That's why we need them. Yeah, they're they're sweaty, they're cummy, and they're grimy. Duck buttery. That's they're duck buttery goodness. Yeah, and <laughs> they smell like duck butter. Um, so, how are you, Dustin? I'm excellent. Um, we're going to be watching some TV together. Absolutely. Um, why don't you tell us what TV show you decided to watch? Well, my favorite sitcom of all times happens to be a British series called Blackadder with Rowan Atkinson, who, of course, many people may know better as Mr. Bean. That's right. Um, I just I love the writing of the the team of Richard Curtis and Ben Elton. They've written a lot of great comedy stuff. They come from that era of like uh, The Office kind of Ricky Gervais style, Stephen Merchant, like just that ilk that you get a couple guys together that have the same like-minded sense of humor and they just strike lightning in a bottle, you know, and they managed to do it 24 times plus made for TV movie and all kinds of stuff. But the second iteration of the series, Black Adder 2 takes place in the Elizabethan period, uh, right? Queen Elizabeth and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Sir Edmund Blackadder, who's Rowan Atkinson, and his subjects, his dog's body, I think they call it, or something. Uh -huh. That might be a more of the medieval time period, but uh, this guy... Uh, Tony Tony Robinson, who plays uh, Baldrick, who's sort of his right, right. his screech, his version of that, yeah, <laughs> his you, yeah, um, his me, yeah, yeah. It, so, it, which, which is weird because watching that, it, it, I see myself in both characters. Uh -huh. It's a weird, it's a weird dichotomy. It's like watching the honeymooners. Like I see sometimes myself as Ralph Cramden, but I definitely see the Ed Norton side of me too. You know, well, that says a lot about your talents. You well, can, you but can I don't strike my wife. <laughs> I want to, yeah, I don't strike my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did uh, uh, Ralph Cramden? And ever actually, he just threatened violence. No, yeah, it's but it's just as bad. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's assumed. Yeah, it's it's still a domestic. Yeah. It, it's um yeah. It, in nowadays, I mean, I guess people still get away with it. Look at look at the the uh, sports figures. I mean, Jose Reyes coming back to the Mets. He just beat his wife. He's doing he's doing quite all right. Yeah, well, you know, you, you make your you make your choices, and then people forget about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this show, what's your TV watching like? Because this is. This is, I've heard about this show, I've seen a couple episodes, so I can't say I know it that well, but I know it's very well respected, but um, how uh, how much TV do you actually watch? How much pop culture do you consume? It's very hard for me to sit down and, and tune into something, especially if it's every week, which right. thank God for the internet, because I can actually, you know, stream it from places or I can download it from, you know, sources like iTunes or what have you. There's, uh, there's even websites, I watch a lot of Japanime, there's websites where you can watch episodes in order and not have to watch the subtitle version. I know there's purists out there with that, but 
I want to listen to my right, shows. Right, right. I don't want to read my shows because yeah. then you miss nuances of the visuals, you know. And um, like, I wouldn't want to read Star Wars, you know. <laughs> I would want to. You don't want to read the novelized versions? Well, I don't. Not while I'm watching the movie. Yeah, it's it's when I have my head in my lap, you know. And all I see is those towels again. And uh, but I so on the road because I do stand up comedy. So you know, living in hotels, I get to power watch through things. So if I can sit down and you know, or when I get home, like Netflix and Hulu and streaming services like that. They can put up series of things that I missed where instead of watching episode seven from season two, and I have no idea what happened before, right. and then trying to hunt and peck them down and re- reverse engineer my understanding of it, I can actually wait and then just watch all the way through it, which is what I did with Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, Dexter, I missed a few episodes, so I got to go back, and by the time I got to go back, a whole season had gone by, but then I don't have to wait per week. Yeah, exactly. I can sit and watch it all back to back. You're a binger. Yeah, and then I can have that that empty hollowness, that, that post-show letdown that you feel when you've watched all of them in a weekend <laughs> and you have nothing left, but there's still six hours left. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So uh, my watching habits tend to be um, sporadic, but I think I'm a connoisseur of of fine things. I like I like something. I like my deep stuff. I like my my you know the stuff that makes you go hmm. I like the comedy stuff. And I think with the comedy, I like a very fine line blend of fart humor and 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 you know fart <laughs> and dick jokes. That's in my wheelhouse. And, and uh, high level like like conceptual like that was that was actually pretty clever. And if I can mix those two, I'm at my happiest. You're speaking my language. Oh, I, love that's a, I love a good fart joke, and I love a little bit of highbrow, highbrow, lowbrow. Mix them in the middle, and you got my favorite drink. <laughs> I think the way to put it is I like a fart that comes out of a top hat. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, that's pretty good. That's, that's my favorite. And yeah. not too smelly. No, no, no. Well, it's got a monocle. It filters. <laughs> exactly. So the light purifies it. And when were you first turned on to Black Adder? Because this has been this is from the late 80s, something like that. Yeah, Black Adder, I discovered. Covered by um, Mr. Bean came out, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is great." This Some of the really... best physical humor yeah, ever. And... I mean, he's a silent character, so right. Uh... He does. He makes grunts and they're mm. you know what I'm <laughs> and and to sit back and you know he, he says his name, which you know uh, Charlie Bean, right, right. <laughs> it's just, and and it makes you laugh so much without the need for a lot of exposition. You just you just put it out there. It is what it's like watching Steve Brule. It's it is what it right, is. Exactly. You you get it or you don't. And most people love it. And uh I think that Black Adder I first discovered people like, oh well the first season came out, you know, you should check it out. He's he's a very similar type of character to Bean. It's just in medieval. And I watched it and being a fan of of the writers like Ben Elton and Richard Curtis, Robin Driscoll, who wrote, um, you know, Mr. Bean, and then getting a lot of that creativity pooled together for another show, I was beside myself. But I, I won't want to say I was let down, but uh, the first series uh, of six episodes, the the uh, medieval period of Blackadder, he was kind of a wormy, whiny, um, he was a guy that was easy to be pushed around. Right. And... It was fine for what it was. I liked it at the time. But then when the second series came out, which is, I think, one of the ones we're going to watch, it's the Queen Elizabethan period, they changed him. And they made Blackadder more of a smartass, more of like a sleazy, almost like a Elizabethan 
period car salesman. I guess <laughs> I guess he'd be more like a used, uh, previously owned coffin salesman. You know, and right, right. Like, he'd be that kind of guy, and uh, like a sniveling, like an ass sort of. Yeah, he watching he, out for himself, and yeah, he was he was still that you know looking out for himself first. But it's like he's the bad guy. It's that fine line. He's the bad guy that you love to root for. You know, you want to see him succeed, and he's just this little guy who's being toppled by the machine, and he keeps kicking up against the cogs, but he's too small to make any difference. Uh, but he, he still keeps trying, you know? Yeah. He's, he's a Daffy Duck in a way. He's he's greedy. You know, he might be a coward, but he's a greedy little coward. <laughs> right. That kind of deal. Right. And uh, so I like that better, and that made me realize that I wasn't disappointed in the first series, but it, it shone so much brighter that... Um, I don't go back and watch the first series a lot, which is weird because out of four main seasons of this, I'm looking at the like a, almost like a Star Wars purist. They did a fifth one later. They like a reunion. They did a made-for-TV movie. They did a sketch on their SNL called The Cavalier Years. But for the initial four um, episodes, the medieval Queen Elizabethan, the Prince Regent era, and then World War One, six episodes each, 24 episodes total, I like the second, third, and fourth, the best. Okay. I've watched those. If I go back, I'll watch from, I think, the first episode we're going to watch on, and I skip the first six. If I'm going to share it with someone who's never seen it, I make them sit through the first six okay. because that way they get a feel for the entire thing. And have you turned on a lot of people to this show? I've shared Blackadder with a lot of people, yeah. And when I, I've gone to England a number of times, and uh, whenever I've gone over there and people found out that a lot of the shows that I've watched were British shows, the Young Ones and right, you know, right, Faulty right. Towers and things like that, they have they were all kind of not besides themselves, but kind of really shocked. You know, wow, it's an American out there hailing British comedy, <laughs> British shows. And it's just one of those things where, um, you know, the the Mr. Bean character was so similar to like the screech stuff that I did. And so I had a love for that already. And then to have it evolve into something, uh, you know, and see someone go successfully, mind you, to that next phase where, okay, well, he's not the, the nerdy push around guy, but he's a different kind of push around guy. Right, you know right. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's in a totally different package and successfully pulled off. And I think that's great. I have to ask you, cause you mentioned screech. Did you, when you, and the similarities, did you ever think of, uh, like inspiration for that character when you, I mean, obviously you were very young, but you know, did you, uh, watch other things to inspire you? Mm, I think, uh, I was, well, you gotta mind you when I was 11 years old, <laughs> the, you know, I had so much to, to, look through and search for because we were the first live action sitcom um in the u.s for for kids i think um we were up against bugs bunny the smurfs right. things like that so i mean that's i chose you guys oh it's oh, thanks it <laughs> sounds it sounds goofy at the time period but when you're looking at it from a rating standpoint it's like there's no way we're gonna beat bugs bunny that's that's too big that's you know i watched bugs bunny and i kind of kicked myself si silently over the years because i killed saturday morning cartoons i was part of a movement that destroyed what I grew up with. Right, right. So it, it was a weird separation. I'm glad it brought people joy and, you know, but once once it, and I will answer the question, but, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, going off to where the producers thought, oh, well, this is great. This is the crowning jewel in their flagship. Let's start, you know, trying to make lightning strike twice 
in every spot we can and milk this. Let's come out with California Dream, City Guys, Hang Time, Time yep. uh, Malibu CA. They like all these different shows that were all produced by the same people, all had their versions of who Zach was, Screech was, the Slater, the Kelly, Jesse, Lisa. They, you know, I don't think they think uh, they had teachers that were like the Mr. Belding ask or sure. Miss Bliss style. But you're just trying to make the same thing happen with a different crew and and for me there's a big thing that happens with chemistry the the perfect script in the world and the you know get a, a wonderful lead character and a wonderful you know sidekick or a wonderful you know whatever the the setting the the gel may be that makes it hold it together you got to have every cast member's got to be perfect chemistry and when you get that it's magical yeah and it doesn't happen as often as you'd like there's times where it just it think about your you know your animated series think about your bob's burgers or your family guys out there where it's like okay well every character managed to sit back and have some sort of magical thing you know that worked together so that now you have a familiarity they're a household name with you and uh so what was the question? <laughs> no, the question was, yeah. no, no, I know what well, my inspirations. I'm, I'm joking. Um, the, there was no question. You I, just, yeah, yeah. you just started talking. Where, man. where am I? <laughs> uh, well, this stuff it inspires me. And oddly enough, you know, it, it's, people don't tend to ask the, the good questions. You know, you ask good questions. Oh, wow. so it's, it's, it's nice. The, um, I mean, I grew up with, with like, uh, Harold Lloyd, and stuff like that. I mean, sure, I watched a lot of comedies. Yeah, I watched a lot of physical comedy. Yeah, physicality. There's a there's a guy I met on on the Tonight Show because uh, we filmed right across the studio. We were in the same hallway as the dressing rooms for Johnny Carson. That's amazing. Tonight. Yeah, that was, must have been an incredible. Oh, oh yeah, every experience. night. Every night was you know we do our network run through and then come out and all of a sudden there was you know every star in the world you know that night on the Tonight Show and it was just great. You know, one of our tapings we got shut down. Because we were doing something um, with Kevin the Robot, Screech's Robot. I remember Kevin. And next door, um, Johnny Carson was doing a Lincoln sketch where he's doing like Lincoln doing stand-up comedy or something like that. Okay. And so one of the audience heckles him by shooting at him. And the bullet hole, you hear the sound like, and the hat he's wearing pops off his head. Well, of course, that special effects are triggering that on a certain cue for the sound effect. And... uh Kevin the Robot, it was the same frequency. So it kept, po <laughs> it kept popping off his head in the middle of, of taping. And uh, the power Johnny had, immense, came over to our set and shut us down Whoa. until they were done with that sketch. And it wasn't like a, hey, guys, you mind if I, uh, you know, I can keep it down just for one minute. I just want to finish my show. Just 15 minutes. It was like, you are shut down. There's, it wasn't a question. You are. It's Johnny. Said, Johnny so wants it's it this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you're out. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, but it, it just amazing to to be around that kind of immense, um, you know, talent every single day, and to to sit back through the hallways and see different people. And there's one guy that stood out, and uh, I know it it sucks right now, but I can't remember his name. I'd have to. I could Google it, but I mean, I was. 11 years old, you know, about to turn 12. And uh, the guy went by the human cartoon. Okay. Which is one of the reasons I don't really remember his name too right. much because on the dressing room door it said the human cartoon. So it's <laughs> like, meant, I, I know that's an ego buster. Yeah, and I know his name wasn't the, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I talked to him and he did all kinds of stuff. If you remember the old uh, Robin Williams Popeye movie. Sure. He was the guy who, when they shrunk him down, they pushed him down with his hat and his oh, whole yeah. body collapsed. Sure, yeah, like yeah. That was him. 
And so he did the, he did all these like rubbery walks and all this stuff. And he sat with me for like a half hour, 40 minutes, like teaching me like crazy ways to make my body move. Funky oh my God. That's amazing. Stuff that I got to use on the show. And, um, there's actually a couple, um, moments in, um, in, I guess certain Saved by the Bell episodes where certain screechisms were kind of inspired by Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Beanisms. That's great. So it's like there's certain little things. There's a lot of like, um, it's, I know it's hard to to convey visually, or I mean, um, you know, with audio here. But uh, I guess you, I'll show it to you, and you can describe it. <laughs> okay. When I would leave certain certain periods, the screech would have no exit line, and they they would eventually wrote, um, he he does a screech exit. Okay. They had no other way to put it. <laughs> right. So I'd say a line, and then I would just hang for a period of time that made them uncomfortable because <laughs> they're waiting, you know, for the next line in up, and they can't say it till I leave because it's about me, right? right. And, you know, or Screech is such a weirdo or something like right. that, and they, I can't hear that, right? So I'd say it, and then just stand there for a minute, and then I'd just kind of wander my head <laughs> off and then leave, right? And instead of just saying it. And then leaving, I would do that like head wobble, sort of a daisily head wobble. Yeah, like a dazed, like a dazed, <laughs> looking off into the distance, sort of in his own world. Right. Yeah, it's hard to describe that, you know, if people can't see it. But it's, uh, I did that a lot of times. And, uh, <laughs> it's great. And it's, it, it, it's it's one of those things where I, it's there was a Mr. Bean episode where he just because he kind of does that kind of head wobble sort of in anyway. his own world. Yeah. Yeah, he's in his own world anyway. So I just kind of uh, borrowed highlights from that. You know, there was, uh, I think there was one episode in a Mr. Bean episode where they, uh, they had, uh, he was at a school and he was trying to cheat off a test. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had his arm set up in such a way that one's laying horizontal across the table, the other's up around his chin. And he held the entire position of his upper body and used his legs to slide himself closer. <laughs> and it looks funny because you don't see any movement, but you know, his legs are just dragging himself along the table. <laughs> right. He's getting closer. He ends up bumping into the guy. The guy looks over like, what's going on? And then he just slowly moves back. You know? Right, right, right. You know, and then scratching his ear, looking off to the side. And then when he gets back into position, looks over at him like, what? What are you looking at? Like he just slid six feet, you know, to and fro. And uh, I think there was one one episode in uh, the the Max, our little high school hangout. And uh, I think it was like Lisa was sitting at the table, and Screech wanted to get close to her. And so I did a, a variation on that. A Mr. Bean. Yeah, as, as, as much as you can, you know. I mean, I didn't want to straight steal it, but it really is like. No, a, that's the best form of. Yeah, it's, uh, kind of, it's kind of a straight steal. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, But it was just because I loved it so much, and I thought, oh, this is great. This, is, this would be perfect here, you know. And, and uh, it's something Screech would do, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. And. and uh, it just such many there's so many fun moments that I had that any little moment of inspiration from like friends things that happened in school and and things my friends would say one of the lines that um was something weird that I said one day and they put it in the script um and I use it all the time in fact I think I used it last night when I got back to the hotel and uh someone was going into the elevator and I said this um I've, I've done this since like fifth or sixth grade where I'd say after you to, you know, be polite and let someone go through right. the doorway. And then as they start to move, I say, follow me. And then I step in front of them, cut them <laughs> off and after you follow me. And it throws people off and they loved it. And they put it in the script. That's so like funny moments like that. Friends would say something. I think that's so great. That's awesome. You know, you're it, like a sponge. No, oh, yeah. You, you take it all in. Yeah. Oh, and I love SpongeBob too. And yeah, and, like, and I love you know cleaning dishes with sponges. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that's a great inspiration. Um, 
that's awesome. Thanks for talking about that. That's like very cool to hear all that stuff. Yeah, behind the scenes. BTS, the behind the scenes, guys. Um, so we're going to watch Black Adder. I'm excited to watch. I'm especially excited now Now that I know how big a fan you are of Rowan Atkinson. Is there any specific thing I should know about this? This is, the fir- this is called Bells. It's the first uh, episode of the second series. Right. Elizabethan. Anything else we should know before we um, we check it out? Okay, for for I guess to to clarify for people out there who might check it out who don't know about Blackadder. Of course, I you should watch through the first first six. medieval period. You don't necessarily need to because it's a different kind of character, but it does get you used to. You know, there are things that are going to be held. How he gets the name Blackadder, you know, and and all kinds of. Uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but there's all kinds of nuances that are callbacks that come later that you would only get if you watched the, for they'll still be funny, but you get right. them more, you appreciate it more. If you see the beginning, it's kind of like a, a reverse star Wars, you know, it's like, <laughs> you, know, it's, you have to see, imagine if the, the original trilogy was one, two and three, you know, for the episodes. Right. And then the remakes were a continuation and they people didn't like them as much, you know, it's like, well, you got to kind of, you know, you have to see the first three. It'll make you appreciate those better because the first three are, you know, the the base, the foundation. But uh, the, uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Okay, so each of the characters comes back um, through each iteration of the series and plays different versions. In fact, in some episodes, they'll, you know, over the pan, span of, mind you, six episodes, episode two might have a character, Rick Mayle from The Young Ones, uh, or who he was Drop Dead Fred. Right. He might be playing... He's a great performer. Right. He might be playing, you know, a character, and then later in an episode play, a, you know, a different character. Right, and, right, right. And, you know, but it's all, you know, the acting and the makeup and the, you know, the accents and the whole... It's so kind of over the top in some ways that it just they can hide in plain sight, right? You know? Right. So he's not playing the same character per se, but oh no 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 right, yeah right, right, yeah. Right. And there's uh you know there's there's the humor I think is very high concept humor. You I think you have to be um I there's no real nice way to say it that or way that doesn't sound kind of semi-insulting it's you're like snooty you have to be intelligent to like right, this right, kind right. of stuff uh-huh. I, I feel you know i feel like if you're a duh, oh, <laughs> you can't fully appreciate it but that's even with the fart jokes like even that kind of right, stuff right, right. that's that's the fart out of a top hat it's, it's it's a fart with a cane and um i think this first episode uh there's uh the premise basically is a girl who's um who's having um, money problems, her family's poor. So her her dad wants her, uh, there's a joke about her dad trying to get her to go into prostitution. Well, you're going to have to fend for the family now. She's like, so you, you want me to get a job? He's like, yes, I want you to become a prostitute. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. So she sa- she decides to go in to pretend she's a boy, cut her hair short and pretend she's a boy to go into the queen's, one of the queen's, um, I don't know what you'd call Blackadder, like one of her servants service or one of her he's like a member of the court right right you okay. know but but so he's not a servant you know it's not uh indentured servant kind of work but sort of because the queen's a bit crazy and bossy you know she'll lop anyone's head off at any moment and uh so he uh he goes by bob she goes by bob and <laughs> i want I, I say say she goes by bob because the character's name is bob Right. I don't think she has a regular character name because it's listed in the credits. You never hear it. It's just <laughs> by the time you hear it, it's Bob. And one of the running jokes is that she plays Bob in in multiple episodes 
or multiple iterations of the show. Oh, so it comes back World War One period, which is the fourth season or yeah, fourth series. Uh, she comes back as Bob and uh, is an entertainer for the. But she's a girl in that one. But Bob still. That's it's great. Just, so it's like a callback <laughs> to it. Yeah. And um, so Black Adder has an attraction to her right away, but is uncomfortable because he doesn't. He thinks it's a guy. So he's like, well. I like women, so this is I'm getting these odd feelings. And I don't know what's happening, and then, <laughs> and then it, I don't I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it. But the um, but uh, he ends up. Uh, well, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great it's, setup. It's best it's best to see it from that period. That's the building blocks, and then the house is built on top of that. Let's let's watch the house of Black Adder. Let's check it out. We're gonna look through the windows. <laughs> you are gonna do it all. We're gonna be peeping toms. Now then, what seems to be the trouble? Well, it's my manservant. I see. Well, don't be embarrassed. If you've got the pox, just pop your uh, manservant on the table and we'll take a look at it. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I mean, it's my real manservant. Uh-huh. And what's wrong with him? There's nothing wrong with him. That's the problem. He's perfect. And last night, I almost kissed him. I see. So you've started fancying boys then, have you? Not boys, a boy. Yes, well, let's not split hairs. It's all rather disgusting and naturally you're worried. <laughs> of course I'm worried. Well, of course you are. It isn't every day a man wakes up to discover he's a screaming bender with no more right to live on God's clean earth than a weasel. <laughs> Ashamed of yourself? Not really, no. Bloody hell, I would be. <laughs> Still, why should I complain? Just leaves more rampant totty for us real men, eh? Look, am I paying for this personal abuse or is it extra? No, all part of the service. I think you're in luck, though. An extraordinary new cure has just been developed for exactly this kind of sordid problem. It wouldn't have anything to do with leeches, would it? I had no idea you were a medical man. I've never had anything you doctors didn't try to cure with leeches. A leech on my ear for earache, a leech on my bottom for constipation they're marvelous aren't they well the bottom one wasn't i just sat down and squashed it all right we just watched black adder bells very funny what'd you think of it yeah i, I enjoyed it a lot really <laughs> funny very absurd it's a good balance between there's some good clever stuff in there and some good stupid stuff in there yeah and it's funny too like i mean not it's sort of like topical to like that with all the like sexual politics and the cross-dressing and like it, right. it felt fresh like it didn't feel right and uh, period period specific in certain things like you know back then certain things are frowned upon that aren't frowned upon today and still the rebellion of you know being yourself and having fun and you know doing what you do is pretty rampant throughout the entire series yeah it's great so the basic plot is that as you were saying that this kate, we found out her name was kate right and uh she uh, dresses up as a boy named Bob to become uh, Black Adder's um, manservant. manservant and she usurps that job from uh, Baldrick who is right. sort of like the uh, just like beating like he just oh, yeah. Black Adder just sort of like shits on him he's a whipping post he's yeah, a whipping yeah. post exactly air could replace and usurp him yeah ex <laughs> exactly so and fresh then, air uh, yeah. um, or you know dirty air yeah, um, foul air is still better than Baldrick air the yeah. LA smog um, and uh, and then basically Black Adder just quickly falls in love with Bob right um, not knowing that it's a woman and um, he's sort of like they sort of basically are like almost have sex as with him thinking that he's a 
boy. Right. And then he goes to like a doctor. He's like, I, I think he's like not conflicted about it. Like he's like, oh, this is fine. But more socially, I'll be looked down upon. Right. For, right. Um, being into boys and then he goes to a doctor and like a doctor wit- asks if he's shamed and he's like no not really yeah exactly <laughs> and of course the um, the prescribed uh, medication is leeches yeah because back then they just they didn't know what they were doing just a quack doctor yeah the course of leeches for whatever ails you right exactly which um i'm sick from eating leeches i i i prescribe four leeches for you then exactly that that is always sort of disc- i don't know if you remember in stand by me where they are covered oh, yeah. in leeches that's like sort of my nightmare the, oh yeah um, yeah um especially the le- leech on his um as they say in the show winkle oh yeah yeah when he pulls his hand up and there's blood all over his hands like and he starts to pass out you're like oh man that would suck oh god um so so that's like one thing and then he goes to um a witch woman who basically is like you have three options kill bob kill yourself or kill everyone in the world so you're not looked down upon for it um everyone's advice for him is bad exactly yeah um but it's really i mean it's really well written really well acted it's also like super absurd like at the end it gets like really absurd with the rick mail character who's like i mean they basically in the last scene they look at the camera like three times oh yeah direct lines directly the camera breaking the fourth wall um it's pretty it's pretty great and it's uh like for i think it totally holds up for a a show that's like almost 30 years old oh absolutely it's that's it's my favorite show i can watch that i enjoyed watching that as if and i've probably seen that episode maybe a hundred times wow that's a lot of times yeah um but you haven't ever watched it with um maybe dutch subtitles as we just watched no never watched it with dutch subtitles um what is it viper niagara Two, da, that's yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's their version for Black Adder. Yeah, um, this show. I mean, it's great. And um, so, this this is your favorite. Um, this is your favorite series of it. This is your favorite season of it. Is the Elizabethan? Yeah, I like one. this time period the best. The Prince Regent one's okay, but it's it's a bit more. Um, Hugh Laurie comes in and plays replaces Tim McInerney. Um, as Percy, uh, Percy comes back in the fourth one and Hugh Laurie's in that one, but Hugh Laurie replaces Tim McInerney. So it's the three main cast members are, um, uh, black, uh, Rowan Atkinson, Tony Robinson, and Hugh Laurie. And Hugh Laurie plays the Prince Regent and Blackadder is the Butler. And then the Butler's servant or as you know, sidekick is, you know, un- understudy or whatever you want to call it is uh baldrick so they live in the basement and they're complaining about you know the prince regent's uh dummy basically he plays a super dummy which is totally opposite of the character he plays in house right you right, know right. i mean where he's so aggressive and hardcore you know which is off it was not off-putting but it was you know jarring for me because seeing house i enjoyed the series but i was like wow this is so different from right how i know him yeah you know and a bit of fry and laurie they had like a comedy duo so they did i think a show also called jeeves and wooster which were you know like a guy and his butler and uh but it wasn't it was more of like a it wasn't a slapstick comedy or things like that. And I'm a big Naked Gun fan, too. I so. just rewatched Naked Gun this week for the first time in years. Yeah, I, lo- it, I love it. It totally holds it. The Zucker brothers are genius. Oh, Until yeah. one of them went rogue and did um, extremely right-wing. Right, um, right, right. An American but, Carol. Yeah, but I, my, fav- my favorite line um, 
in in the Zucker Brothers world is uh, from the first Naked Gun when because <laughs> Leslie Nielsen plays it so straight. It's, it's just chaos going on around him. It's so corny, but he plays it so straight. Uh, Detective Frank Drebin, you yeah. know, and he's going through and there he's getting a description from the woman about what happened, the perpetrator, and he's, I think she says uh, he says, "Can you give me a description?" And she says, "Yeah, he was a." A Caucasian male with a mustache about six feet tall and as straight as can be, he goes, that's an awfully big mustache. And, he just, <laughs> and then he barrels over it, too. He doesn't really wait for the laugh too much, which I like, too. He goes, that's an, he's a Caucasian male with a mustache about six feet tall. That's an awfully big mustache. Tell me more about that. And he just yeah, goes he's, right past it. Sort of a comic gene. And that doesn't really exist anymore. I guess that comedy... There, I mean, I there are. I think people are sort of trying to copy that comedy right now, but not to the same effect. But he is just like the ultimate straight. I mean, him in airplane, him in Naked Gun, like he's just unbelievable. There's yeah. no, no one sort of built like. And him. that style of joke, I like too. Just the the misdirection of. I mean, a lot of comedy is misdirection, you know, in traditional forms. But like. I like the that style of taking two things and you always pick the thing that you, it isn't like uh, or or just the corny like, um, you know, this man's suffering, you know, this man's, you know, has an illness. We need to get him to a hospital quick and person leans down and goes, my God, what is it? It's a big building with doctors in it, but we don't have time for that now. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's always going for the one that isn't. You yeah, know? it's great. It's genius. Those guys. Yeah, I don't know if they've really done anything recently that's been. I don't know. I guess they don't really have to. They're just sort of, uh, I feel like people don't sort of, uh, that's one of the things that's great about this is like, it's sort of, um, they're sort of like a dream team of people. And this is like, uh, in black adder, a lot of like Stephen Fry was in it. Rowan Atkinson, um, Rick may all sort of like this group of comedians. That, and I don't know, I guess that exists in America, but just sort of like these comedy geniuses that have gone on to do their own things and sort of, right. uh, represent like the smart, really good comedy of that era well it's also there's um i see a lot of of things like that would relate to like adult swim or things that would relate to like um even uh um adam sandler where there's a lot of usage of like there's like it's almost like a family where you, you know the family members keep getting used for yes, different things. yeah absolutely and uh i think that's great because then you get you get that, like, you know that in an Adam Sandler film, you know that Rob Schneider is going to appear somewhere. Right. <laughs> you know, there's going to be You Can Do It or something yeah, yeah, like that yeah. in the background. And um, I, I think that's funny because it adds that it kind of breaks the fourth wall, but doesn't. It's kind of, it's something for fans. It's service. an in-joke, sort yeah. of. Even just the idea of it is just like, oh, yeah, that, that's like, it's comfort. It's yeah. comforting. Sort yeah, of, it's, it's, it's a fan service that, you know, it doesn't let you down. And I think that, uh, you know, they did that because Nigel Planner um, and Adrian Edmondson are are also in that, who were the, um, Rick Mail, Adrian Edmondson, and Nigel Planner were all part of the young ones. Right. And um, the uh, I don't know if the fourth, fourth cast member was in it. I'm not I'm not well versed on that enough. But I know that um, you know you see a lot of these different uh, series where you'll get people popping up. The only person that I didn't see in Blackadder that would have shocked me would be any of the Monty Python guys. Oh right, yeah, know? absolutely. But, but they, they do it as well. Python throws in a lot of the the same stuff. Yeah, and they. St the I mean, they still. I mean, they're still sort of like bringing each other back into their own uh, projects and stuff. Right. And whenever John Cleese needs to um, go on tour for to pay for a divorce, as he said, <laughs> right, they right, sort right. of bring the gang back together. But it's like. Yeah, it's the ultimate fan thing. I guess that's sort of an interesting thing, too, is the like, that's what's sort of great about these British shows is they, 
rather than drawing things out for so long and sort of, you know, they keep it tight. Three seasons, six episodes each. Like, there's something that's really nice about that that keeps it, like, you know, right. uh, just I, sort of perf- perfect little tiny box that, you know. Right, and I agree with that totally. My only, my, my disappointment and complaint is really just a selfish one because what you said makes perfect sense. They never overstay their welcome. But for me, I think they understay their welcome when right, you yeah, want exactly, more. Exactly. When you want more. And it's, it's a selfish thing, but it's just now it's like once it's over, it's like uh, the post-show letdown. Now i got to find something else right. that strikes my fancy so much that I can sit and absorb and, and really get into and you know enjoy that before it's gone. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's like with... Um with like uh, Ricky Gervais, like they did Office, which was just like sort of perfect. And then they did Extras, which was just sort of perfect. And then they've done like other things, but those sort of, two, I think, too, exist on, you know, the perfect plane. Yeah, um, just encapsulated moments of goodness. Yeah. Now, I don't mean this to be a- an offensive question, but like because you worked on a show for so long, did you find it hard to sort of um, keep the inspiration going for that, you know what I mean? Like playing that character for such a long time. Yeah. Keeping it fresh is cause you rely so much on the writers, you know, the cast didn't write back then. So right. it was now, nowadays you see, you know, cast members will write and you get a lot of talent where it's, you know, it would be, it would be less of an intelligent move or, or wouldn't be as wise a move. I should say to not utilize, you know, skills that you've got built in house. Sure. Absolutely. And, um, and uh, you get goodness coming out that way, which keeps it fresh. But, you know, I mean, back in the day, it was you wrote, um, you know, I play chess. So they wrote Screech play chess. I play music, but I play bass, which was considered too cool. So they gave me a keyboard. <laughs> right. you know, they figured that was the nerdy instrument. And um, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you filled out a sheet that said, you know, when you're when you get to, you know, network testing and all that, you fill out a sheet, you know, with your size sheet and audition stuff that. Okay, pick up your sides and turn in this list of skills that you have. And really, it's just so that, you know, we didn't understand it at the time. Now I know that it's so that the writers have stuff to pull from. Right, absolutely. You know, for a B story or even an A story. Okay, one of the girls is a, is gymnastics. We'll put gymnastics in one of the episodes. And so it uh, there was a whole Screech playing chess episode. And that all just became because I put I played chess on, the, on that piece of paper. And when you think about syndication and you need a hundred episodes yeah. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's comes a period and I think it's, it happens in a, all major series that stay for a long, long, long time. You see wraparound episodes or you see like a clip show episodes, especially right, sure. so like clip shows are almost the, the bane of, of, you know, traditionalist or purist where it's like, ah, oh, that's, it's not good. Like you wait a week and then your show comes on and it's like, just remember when right, exactly. the only new stuff is those moments saying, you know, Oh yeah, I kind of remember when it's like the a story is all of five minutes you know, <laughs> and you got 17 minutes of just, you know, you know, exposition. There was, I actually remember the Save by the bell one, which was like the gang in the office. No, it's in the future. And there's uh, Mr. Belding is talking about how great the class was back in the day. Right, right, and right. He basically shows like a video, um, like a video yearbook from the past, and right. he puts it in, and it's like all, all clips from the show. Now, which is sort of now <laughs> from a perspective of a cast member, it's great because you get paid for that week's worth of work. <laughs> right, but right. you, but you also, and it's an easy week. Oh, just phone this one in. But uh, it's like having an extra hiatus period. You know? Right, right. But, but. <laughs> At the same time, for a viewership, it's it's those are always weak episodes. Those second, 
you know, second to those is your to be continued because your cliffhangers, you're, I don't, come on, I right, don't leave right. me hanging like this for a week. That's why it's good, you know, like I said in the beginning with uh, where you can you know, kind of binge watch things, you can, you know, to be continued yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Skip, skip the opening. Well, we did pull off something that I thought was a clever way to do a remember when and I don't know if there's another show that's done this there probably has been but I can't think of any um that we did a you know Zach sitting in front of the camera saying you know you know you know I remember back in eighth grade and they used the first season we did before it was say about the bell when it was different cast members when it was uh it was Belding Screech Lisa and Zach Kelly Jesse and Slater hadn't been added right yet. right and uh, no Max, you know. The Good Morning Miss Bliss. Yes. Yeah, it was Good Morning Miss Bliss when it was Disney Channel and NBC were trying to merger, which didn't work out. So when that split happened and NBC decided they wanted to continue and pick up the series and just make a few changes, um, you know, I got lucky and got brought in with that. And we figured, okay, well, people aren't going to, you know, Bayside High was in a Indiana at that point. Right. And it I got know. moved to California and never explained because it wasn't supposed to be really right. the same thing but it was still Bayside High it was still the same characters um, so it became canon to it it was the Black Adder season one right exactly. it was the medieval period yeah. you know and um, and so in a nutshell the, the Remember When episode was a way for them to cut the opening out of that which Disney I'm sure owned the rights to the opening right and yet the footage and the characters were still able to be used and I can't think of another series where they did a you know, I remember when and it does the diddly, 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 <laughs> goes back, but it's footage you haven't seen, maybe. Right, you know? right. And and it's really back. Well, back in eighth grade, me and Screech did, and it really is us back in an eighth grade period. We're way younger. I can't think of another show that's done that. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It wasn't us in wigs pretending to be younger. <laughs> you know, it really was us younger. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. And by the time they did that, it had been years. You know, if you look at it like a high school you know years it's like we were probably it was we were in our sophomore junior years remembering back when to eighth grade so there was more of a distance and i think there were fans that were like how did you do that so you did this knowing that you know people who didn't know about the right. disney channel stuff back then because you know back in 89 you know when we started november of 88 and then 89 it became saved by the bell and 89 90 you didn't have all the YouTube stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. All the, all but I, I feel like eventually they started replaying all of them, right? Because I, yeah, yeah, I definitely be, have some knowledge of Good Mar Milo. Was that the name? Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Milo. Yeah. TK Carter, who <laughs> yeah. was who was in uh, uh, The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Really? Yeah, he was the guy oh in roller God. skates with the headband in the. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was That's Milo. an amazing movie, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was great. And did, on a side note, did you see you saw the newest thing? No, I haven't seen the new thing yet. Okay, this doesn't spoil it. Okay. Because it's not, it has, it has nothing to do with the story itself. It's just ni a nice way that the director f packaged it. I saw it, I thought it was a retelling of the movie. It's uh -huh. not. Okay. It opens up the whole thing. It's, you know, the story. You know the thing, so it doesn't spoil the story. They find the thing on the ice. Yeah, yeah. You know what it does. You know how it takes over people and everything else. Everyone's seen the story because even John Carpenter's was a remake. Right, exactly. Was, but John Carpenter's thing where it opens up and it has that music, din din, din din, right? And it's just din din, and it's just very spaced, spaced out, and it has that nice, good thriller horror that kind of vibe. Classic John Carpenter music. Well, they reuse that music. Amazing. They bring it back, so it has the feel of it, you know. And it's it's like what would be Star Wars be without that? Dun, 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 dun. You gotta open it up that way, you know. And uh, and so it has that feel, and it tells the whole story. There's a there's some differences to it 
little differences. And I'm like, okay, well, they just they upped it and revamped it, did a little bit of rewrites, maybe tried to make it better. You expect that when you watch some new director or whatever else. Uh, but then at the very end, it ends the way the f- the remake, the first remake, John Carpenter's right. thing opened up so it's sort of like a a prequel prequel. so it's a retelling but not but then it makes sense because it's a prequel so naturally the only thing that gives away is that it ends with a dog right being chased by a helicopter with a guy shooting at it that's amazing which is how the first one opened up and he's speaking in norwegian and they don't understand you see mccready on the ground you know kurt russell and wow yeah and wilford brimley and like the whole thing and it just it ends and I was I stood up and did the slow clap in the theater just <laughs> clap 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 this woo that was awesome that's amazing wow what a smart and also that yeah that it wasn't like advertises that also right it's it just cool, a really nice way of doing it right you're a real you know your pop culture pretty damn well oh yeah I love that uh, movies and you know video games are my or my kind of forte I'm I am super nerdy I like you know I read comics I play chess I'm I'm into a, a crazy eclectic music like Mr. Bungle or like oh, yeah. Dog sure. Fashion Disco and stuff like that. Like just crazy eclectic stuff. Um, I, I'm totally the guy that roots for the underdog. And uh, I'm the, I, I, I like the, uh, the only difference between me and Screech is that I'm not as socially awkward. I'm still socially awkward a bit. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. This is really awkward. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still socially <laughs> awkward a bit. There's times where it's like, I'm, it, I'm a weird entity because, you know, it fits in that odd box. I can get on stage and talk to, you know, a thousand people, no problem, no sweat, sure. and, and just and perform for them and do whatever I need to do. But in group, a good one-on-one, but in group settings, especially if you're like the new kid in the class, you know, it's like there's there's an established friendship with other people and you're kind of the new guy. It's... I. I can't find anybody that doesn't feel a little awkward. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. You'll warm up after a bit, but people kind of got to get to know your sense of humor first. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Otherwise, there's that sniffing each other's butts period where it's like, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless you're an extreme extrovert, you're you're that's how that's how I roll, too. So, yeah, it's, although rarely in front of thousands of people and in, uh, in stand up, I do. I do the improv. So it's smaller, smaller audiences. But um, no way. It's still that's a, it's, that's almost makes it worse because that's the you know, very discerning crowd. Yeah, you know, they're coming, especially with the comedy club stuff. I mean, you know, because you do it. It's, you know, people who don't know. It's like, oh, it just looks like you're talking. You just, you're just, it's, what an easy job. You're just talking. No, that's like going to the gym. Yeah, it's yeah. like it keeps you on your toes. And it's such a use it or lose it kind of gig. You yeah. Stand up is something that it goes away if you don't keep it sharp. How often are you performing? Um, I've my normal schedule is anywhere between forty and forty-seven weeks a year. Holy shit! But it, yeah, it's it, but it, I take two weeks off at Halloween, two weeks off at Christmas, and then two weeks off, um, or one week off rather for um, like anniversary or kind of floats. Right, like a week where like you know maybe I want three weeks off at one point. But now, mind you, that's that's a fluctuating schedule. That's at the worst, the forty-seven. But you know, sometimes it can be forty. Sometimes it can be you know, 35 of stand up and then do shows, you know, like for right. this, I'm doing the show out here and then for your pretty face is going to help. Right. Right. And I'm having a blast with it. I'm a fan of the show, of course. So I'm excited to sit here and, <laughs> and hang with you as well. I'll try not to geek out on this set, you know, cause I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I met, uh, D- you know, Dave and I met Dana and I'm sitting back and I was an Aqua Teen fan too. So I'm sitting back going, Oh, it's so I know it's so crazy. It's like, know? that's meat. Wad. That's yeah, Carl. It's Carl, you know, it's all master shake. And, <laughs> 
So, you know, and, and I've been on the side of, uh, I mean, I've been performing for 31 years, so it's, I've been on the side, certainly, of people coming up and, hey, do the screech face, do the screech walk, or do, you know, do this, leave a message for my, as screech for my, <laughs> my you know, my friends. And, you know, I, I like seeing the joy in people's face when you do it, because they're all, they get excited. But, uh, you know, sometimes people catch you in a weird moment or sometimes people course, are we- yeah. sometimes people are weird with it. You know, you I've asked people for pictures and I thought, OK, well, this is cool because it's kind of a peer thing. Like, you know, it's you know, I'm backstage in an event where it's only, you know, like an NBC event or something where there's only celebrities are invited. So it's like I I should be here. You know, I'm Equals, supposed to be yeah. here. And, hey, I'd like to you know get a picture. This would be cool for my, you know. From my side, I met you know back in the day and Arnold Schwarzenegger and oh my you know, god, that's like a dream for me. Yeah, like back in the, like back in the Predator days and like yeah, still doing Terminator. Terminator it was like oh so cool. It's like the height of it. It was like one of the uh, <laughs> Planet Hollywood or one of those you know. Oh my god, like he and Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis and Sylvester, yeah, Stallone. Sylvester Stallone, like Roseanne Barr was there and like all these people. Like I'm getting all, <laughs> you know starstruck. I go up and get pictures with certain people and I, I won't mention who it was you know but but. There's one person that was pretty big that I went up and I said, "Can I get a picture?" And they were kind of they they didn't say these exact words, but the message was clear. It was like, "Don't bother me, kid," you know. And it was I was so you know crestfallen for that. And uh, it was Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> Jesse, yeah, it was Jake the Snake, Robert. No, no the uh, but it you know it was one of those things where you know and unfortunately there have been times where. You know, I have been that guy too, but it's it's always in situations where it's uncalled for from the fan. I guess you could say fans' perspective. I wouldn't necessarily call it fans because there's there's certain people who give like left-handed compliments. Uh huh. Yeah. Weird. Sure. You know, I've had people come up. So, what is it like being a complete moron your whole life? Like, whoa, that's a, <laughs> that's a very strange way to approach someone. Yeah. Or, I've had people come up and just be rude with with um. They'll come up and, you know, and grab you and pull you, just physically move you from a conversation you're having. You're like, are we getting in a fight? Or this is this, a, am I getting mugged? What's happening here? And they shove a camera in your face and say, okay, you know, tell me a joke. Say something uh, funny. Uh, you're like, no, dude. Oh, you're, you're an asshole. No, you're rude. This is yeah. not how, you, this is not how you approach someone. And what's weird is that I have a, I have a pet peeve and it's just something that, um, I, I don't normally talk about, but it's it's definitely there. I don't like when people sneak photos. Yeah, that's sort of gross. When people, yeah. you can tell when someone has their phone and when they're not texting, when they're holding it up, when they're, you know, I see people walk by and they they turn because they're not Batman, or Rob, and they're not slick. They turn and you can see it's on the camera. Or you yeah. can see it's on the video and like you know, my favorite is is you know. Like little things don't bother me, like pictures at shows, and they say don't take no flash photography. I don't care. It's everyone's got sure. cameras and photos. Get the stuff out there. It's just the only as a comedian, you're just like you know, don't catch a bad set. If it was a bad set, or you know, you tried new stuff and it didn't work, it still needs polish. You're like, don't put this out because people naturally are gonna look at that like, oh, that joke wasn't very good. It's in its infant stages, right? Absolutely, you know? you're working. On that. I hammock it in between stuff that I know works, and in that loop, I can try new stuff because I know I can bring it back with a button at the end. You know, and right? Just you know, be, understand the craft first before you judge and uh you know you can't with videotape with videotaping shows that's the only thing where it can get to you but and my favorite is when people come up afterwards they're like can i get a picture sure and they go to take oh it's on video and you're like okay okay so you were videoing the show you just kind of <laughs> slick you know you just got away with it and uh that doesn't bother me as much that's more of a perfectionist thing because it's it's oh man i now i'm thinking Internally, I hope that was yeah. right. Yeah, was that a good? Was that a good performance? Is that something I would want? If if I had recorded that set, would I have uploaded that? 
because then it's out of your hands. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, giving an interview where you were or doing a take on a show where it's just bad. And they're like, that's, you know, that's a wrap. It's in the can. We're, we're moving on. Like, what? what? No, no. Can we do that again. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't even I didn't think I said any lines of dialogue. This isn't even in the script. <laughs> and uh, but when people come up and take like try to sneak pictures, I understand why they're doing it. And most of the time I'll come up, hey, you know, I can, I can I'll take a picture because if they just ask. I'm totally right. fine with it. It's the sneaking that I don't Yeah, like. it's it, gross. It's, and it's like, it, we're all, come on, just we're all humans. Just like be respectful. Right. It's a deception. And, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't like the deception of it. It's, you're, you're you know, I'm going to sneak it and, you know, I'm going to take your choice away from you. And if I see people doing it at the airport or, I'll, you know, on street corner stuff like that, I'll come up, you know, and I'll, all right, here, let, let's do it. And I'll take it. Or, you know, oh, do you want to get a picture? Well, I'll happily do it. And my pet peeve is when they pretend like they weren't because they're embarrassed and they want to try right, to get out right, of it. Right. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't taking your picture. Why would I take your picture? I'm like, come on, dude. You're, I've been doing this for so long. Ugh. You know, it's so it's really that's just a pet peeve of mine that it's hard to let go of because it happens so often i'm i can't can't even imagine and it's only now that yes you can what are you talking about <laughs> oh but no I, can, I absolutely can't i've been recognized maybe twice in my life no yes well i'm wearing red makeup for most of the show i like that you went for the <laughs> red first instead of the horns i'm wearing <laughs> i'm wearing i'm stuck in red makeup and horns and um but you know uh, someday, someday, when I do an episode when I'm uh, in my own skin. But you know, it's the the coolest thing is is that it it immortalizes you, and you know, it's there's people who are who are in that perfect age range where, and I'm taking I'm narrowing the the view from fans of the show to to like um, not super fans, but people whose whose lives it touches for a key period of their life. Like later on, they're going to remember pivotal years, and sure. like this was what I watched. This was my pop culture during this time period, and you're a part of that. Well, I know? can say, like personally, I can say that, and this might sound weird, but like I watched Say by the Bell like constantly because but before even during high school, uh, when the show was on the repeats. When every morning when I'd get ready for school, it'd be on TBS. So I'd be watching like two episodes in a row. Oh, that's awesome. And then for this podcast, I watched an episode with um, Jeff, my friend Jeff Rubin, and we watched the graduation episode. And I was like, oh, let's see like how it holds up and what. And I remember, I mean, I said it on the episode. I was like, I literally got shivers down my spine, like goosebumps, because I was like, this meant showman was like a big part of my childhood, like through high school years. It, And it is cool to have, I mean, something be a part of your life and be, you know, like that is, you know, I'm, you know, it's a cool thing. Oh, you know? thanks man. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's some people out there that, you know, that have, I've done interviews with, or there's people I've sat down and talked with about the show where, um, there's a lot of people who don't quite understand cause they haven't, um, it's not a judgment per se, but it kind of is in the same field where they're not, what they're not doing is they're not putting themselves through, what it takes, you know, what they see in 22 minutes took a week. Yeah. You know, they don't sure, see the 14 yeah. hour days. Yeah. They don't see the, you know, the constant last minute changes, the, the run network run throughs, the, you know, the stuff where it's suits that are, you know, going, okay, well let's see if this is funny. If it's not funny, you know, sure. this, this, 
can be replaced. That kind, of, that those those scary moments, you know, you know, in the beginning, and and you know, the moments of are we going to be canceled? You know, how are oh the ratings doing? Constantly, you know, <laughs> you know? and uh, I think that there's um, there's something to be said for for when you're when you're out there performing you don't have the same perspective. Everything comes down to perspective and you don't have the same perspective. I don't for my show. Yeah, sure. I definitely don't. I've gained it and tried to, I've tried to, you know, purposely and willfully make moves to try and, and get it. Like, you know, I've watched all of the shows on Netflix with the, with the lady and I've sat at home <laughs> like, all right, check this out. And we crack up and like, Oh man, I can't, I forgot about this. So oh, it's, this is crazy. And I'm telling her stuff like, okay, in this episode, I, things are coming back to me. I'm like, okay, I remember, um, we were doing this backstage and this happened right before. If, if you see this move right there, this is why that move, this is That's what happened. Great. You know, all these little tidbits, you know, no one, no one else would, would know about, you know? And, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's because I didn't go through the getting ready for school and watching the show. Sure, yeah. I didn't go through any of that. Yeah. I, for me, I went to work and then I had my shows that I watched that were like, I need a break from work. So there's that, that's why there's that period of like, someone's put online somewhere at some point, oh, he hates being called Screech. I'm like, where do you get that from? That's, no, I don't. And um, there's, there's people who I think they just, they don't put themselves in the same position. They just make judgments based on what they think, you know, from their experience, but their perspective is totally different. Sure. Of course. You know, you got to put yourself in the other person's shoes and everyone knows that saying, but hardly anyone does it. You know, it's okay. So, you know, Oh, well, you know, he didn't watch the show. He does. He doesn't like the show. He, you know, he, he, he hates, you know, the, he wants to dis. there's even a line in, in the, your pretty face episode where Uh it says, I've spent my whole life trying to distance myself from screech. And really, it's not it's not a truth, you know. I mean, my only distance came from okay at the end of the series. We finished in November of '98. Um, I wanted to work still. I'm an actor. You know, I want to still get get gigs, and I would get things saying, okay, well, Breakdown Services sends out uh, you know your your list of weekly s- stuff and to audition for, and they're looking for a guy with good facial expressions, rubbery features, good comedic timing. If, you know, if, if, who can do physical comedy? I'm like, this is perfect. Get me, call my agent. Or I want to do this. And, okay, we'll get, we got an audition. Okay, I'm going in. I go in every single time, and we we loved it. And you know, when you do an audition, if they, yeah, if, if they, you know, if they, you're not going to get called back yeah. or not, you know, but. You, I like at least to, to leave having it, it wasn't said like in my situation there were things where they're like we we thought it was great we just saw a little too much screech in it like well I can't change my bone structure sure, like what yeah, yeah. this is what you wanted you know because I played one character and people got to know me as that character and it became iconic people see it, me do a goofy face like oh he's doing screech oh it's such a screech thing whereas like if I had been like a Jim Carrey where I did a sketch show where I played different characters right you see him do that rubby, oh, righty then, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, he's oh, so Jim Carrey. You get his name attached to it. Right, right. You know, Stanley Ipkiss, when he's doing all the goofy stuff, you see the same thing in like an Ace Ventura, but it's it's Jim Carrey. Yeah. I got not, oh, it's Dustin Diamond. I got it screeched because it wasn't a sketch show. I was one character. So yeah. be- because of that, it's the, there's, a, there's a logical, you know, outcome. As, there's a formula as to why that happened. But no one cares about that on the, you know, on on the other side of, of it. Of course, it's, yeah, they're they're filling a hole. Oh, in there. Well, yeah. You know, so I so I kind of did the whole bad guy routine, the you know the celebrity fit club show that I did. Was, oh right, know, yeah. It's all scripted, you know. I'll yeah. sit back. I got 
I got paid extra by VH1 to as a development. The way they worked it was everyone got favored nation, so everyone got the same pay. But VH1 gave me a development deal as a way to do a bonus to be the bad okay, guy. Gotcha. And um, I thought, okay, well, if I got my initial thought was, okay, if I get eight weeks of me playing the bad guy on TV, this is gonna maybe I can get in for like a Dexter or Breaking Bad or something where I can get like a dramatic role, and uh, that might create a little, you know, and there is a little distance that right. you want to create there. But it wasn't for like, you know, oh, I hate the Screech character. I want to get away from it. It's just I want to keep working. Yeah, you just want to try different things out. And yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I'd love to have moments where you do like a Joaquin Phoenix kind of, you know, like her or. Yeah, you know, sure. Or like I walk the line or something like that. Then you can go back to doing, you know, you know, gladiators or crazy, crazy stuff like that. You can just take a moment out to do just unique indie film kind of stuff. I just don't don't want to do the crazed, you know, Letterman interview kind of kind Crispin kind of, Glover. Yeah, yeah. And, and he did that, <laughs> that too. Was Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. Joaquin had yeah, all the yeah. beard and just was kind of I don't it's hard. I don't know if the, I'm hoping that was like an act or something. Yes, yeah. That, or so they say. Yeah, artistic presence. I hope it wasn't just a a breakdown happening in live live time. And even if so, he's battled back and he's doing he seems to be doing all right. Yeah, so. yeah. Well he, he absorbs his character. It's what they say some of the like the true genius kind of stuff always gets, you know, labeled in with like, you know, kind of a super eccentric, you know, that you see him absorb a role and it's just so perfect. He becomes that role. I mean, I believed he was Johnny Cash. You oh, know? yeah. He's 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 uh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I dated Johnny Cash's granddaughter for a number of years. So I got to be lucky enough before he passed Wait, you uh, to be with Johnny Cash? Yeah, I was. I went used to go to his house for Christmas and stuff. Oh my God! Yeah, I got Christmas presents from the Man in Black, and like I got. What does the Man in Black give uh, for oh, Christmas? My, the first thing he got me was uh, <laughs> he. Oh, we're sitting around. I'm at their house in, in Nashville, and you know, big compound, and the whole you know June car is so sweet. She goes, "Oh, sit down here, Dustin. It's so nice and everything." They're all these Roy Orbison's son. And oh my God! Brooks, like people are coming over, dropping by the house, and it's just like a whirlwind of of cool. And uh, Johnny goes, oh, "Sit, you know, sit next to me." And I sit next to him. He's like, "Here, I got this for you." I'm like, "Whoa, it, this is you know." Serious Johnny Cash giving me a Christmas present. I opened it up and it was a cologne called One Man Show. Now I think it's funny because it's you now it's not some you know super expensive. Right. It's, it's kind of like if I gave you Dracar Noir, you know. Right. But it's not like some like you know super super expensive. But it doesn't have to be right because yeah. it was from Johnny it's Cash. From Johnny Cash, and it's called One Man Show. That, you know, you gotta, so yeah, I kept that bottle. I I put it on once. I never just to say I did, and then I I never use that. That's that. amazing. It just became like an idol in my house. His book, Cash by Johnny Cash, is one of the be best autobiographies I've ever read. Oh, yeah. It, he's, he, he's a genius. He's, he was, he was he amazing. Was, that, and to this day, uh, Johnny Cash is the is the only person that I've ever met. I assume like John Lennon and guys like that were like this. But Johnny Cash is the only person I've ever met or been around where he had such a presence. Like I watch a lot of Japanimation stuff too, like where his spiritual pressure was so, <laughs> it was over 9,000. It was so big, you know? And uh, I'll, I'll set the scenario for you so you, you can feel what I mean. Cause you could feel, okay. It was house of blues in California and he had done a show and I was with the, the way I got tied to the family was uh, June Carter had the, the Carter sisters. Right. Um, sure. She had Carlene Carter was one of the daughters. Carlene had hooked up with Nick Lowe, who wrote uh, Cruel to be Kind and Peace, Love, and Understanding for Elvis Costello. Right. And they had Tiffany Lowe. So I dated Tiffany. 
And uh, so Tiffany uh, used to play guitar as well, and she would set, get up on stage. I'm going to play a song my dad wrote, and she'd play Cruel to Be Kind and Peace, Love, and Understanding. People would come up after every show. Wait, your dad was Elvis Costello? Yeah, right, right, no, no, no. Yeah. Nick Lowe wrote the songs. And and uh, so that was my tie into the family. So Tiffany and I went, and we were we were sitting, uh, you know, watching the, the show, and she goes back, oh, you know, I want you to meet my, my grandfather. I'd never met him before. So it was the first meeting. We go, and... Um, it's I'm you know most people don't realize like you know especially when there's like meet and greet stuff or if you're in this situ you know situation where you can do this, um, there's got to be two dressing rooms for for these things because <laughs> after the show you want to go kind of you know chill out yeah get kinda, in your own headspace yeah lick your stress wounds you know in in your nest and then go out and be social you kind of have a moment and um, he didn't you know he didn't get that he get they brought him backstage and then there's like you meet and greet and there's 200 people in the meet and greet room like it's this giant you know kind of kidney shaped room and you know just go around this this you know dog leg bend and you just like you know there's like the foods in the back corner so we go back to the back corner there's like a little bench thing so we sit down so we're just seeing butts just see butts. <laughs> we're sitting down so we're it's like being seven years old and you're at that height where it's just ass everywhere it's all you see you know it's a great way to see the world yeah you can't see above <laughs> anybody it's all people dressed up and stuff and everyone's murmuring about the room and, and you're just you can't see you're kind of lost it's like it's like falling on the floor in a in a at a concert it's like you just can't you're lost in a sea of vertical sardines and um so we don't know when he's going to be there can't see you know and you know a lot of people can't because even if you're standing you just just too many people and it's around a corner and everything else well johnny comes into the room and i swear to god man you could <laughs> feel him enter the room before seeing him it's the only time I've ever felt this from any human being on earth. And it was immense, immense presence that I've never met someone with such presence and magnitude that when he walked into the room, you felt him before the hush took over. Wow. He walked in and there were, you could, it was like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, man. oh is that him? Is that him? Like, like before that happened, when people, is that him? What? Oh, is he here? You wouldn't, that, that's someone like maybe famous, like Brad Pitt. Oh, oh hey, Br woo, people. Oh, there's a commotion going on over there. Right, like right. Brad Pitt's in the room or something like that. No, this is, he walked in the room. Everybody in the room knew it. He had his, it's like his pressure entered the room before he did. His 9,000 spiritual pressure. Yeah, yeah. His, 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 uh, Dragon, Dragon Ball Z's, you know, he brought his Dragon Balls with him, you know, and, uh, yeah, he was, he was definitely the most intense presence you know, uh, possessing person that I've ever met in my life. And then to be around him when he's relaxed, like in his home. Oh my God. I can't um, even imagine it. It turned down a bit, but it was still immense. Like it was, you know, you, it's like sitting around when I was young. Okay. Um, I went on a date with Kennedy, the VJ. Yes. I, know, I know Kennedy MTV. <laughs> right. And I, it was set up. Uh, as a uh, a night where we were going to go out to dinner and we were going to kind of see what, you know, where the night took us, just kind of like a, we'll go exploring. We'll just have some fun, see what, you know. It's not like a set, like, dinner and a movie kind of deal. And uh, she was writing, a, like, an article thing for, for MTV. And so she's doing, uh, you know, we eat, and she's doing, like, an interview kind of deal. And uh, 
after all after the the work stuff's done and after we ate dinner we we go out we're you know painting the town red and she's like you know uh it's like i know where we'll go I'm like all right well you know i'm in your hands let's let's see what what happens and uh she drives up to the mulholland hills and she goes uh you know all right th- this is going to be cool and she pulls up to this driveway and it's a guard box with a gate you know hello can i help you all totally serious. I'm thinking like we're at a compound or something. What's going on? Totally set up like a compound, you know, can't see in walls covered, you know, guard gate, like, you know, and, uh, she says the following words to the box. She goes, we're here to see the guich. <laughs> Dead silence. Moments pass. More moments pass. Like, I don't think they're going to let us in. Zzz, the gate starts opening. I'm like the guich. What the <laughs> hell is the guich? We go in, and uh, turns out we're at Frank Zappa's house. Oh my god! Yeah, and here's the thing, and I'm gonna I'm kicking myself for this. I used to go on auditions, and I ran into Amit Zappa, and um, because I played in a band, I met you know like the Nam show and stuff like that. I met Dweezil Zappa a bunch of times, and um, I never met Moon. I never met um, any of the other kids. I met I knew Dweezil and Amit really were the only only of the children that I I knew, and. Uh, not not super well too. Like I just like knew each other. Like you know, hey Dustin, hey Dweezil, hey right, right. what's up? Like you know, but like we weren't like we didn't go to the beach together. We didn't hang out. You know, we I didn't come over and stay the night at the house. You know, and uh, so we're sitting back and and uh, the house is built on the side of a hill, kind of like a fractal. Okay, there's like curves going off of curves going off of curves. There's a fire pole. That goes from the top floor to the bottom oh floor. And it's, I don't know what it is, like seven or eight floors, something like that. And it's like <laughs> all small, but like, you know, but stacked. It's, it's on the on the uh, Z axis, you know, is how the house was built. And um, it's weird stuff. Like there's like a laundry room around one corner with a pool table in it. And like, you know, I'm sitting on the pool table with Dweezil and we're kind of jamming out on the guitar and stuff. And like, it's kind of a cool moment. And But here's, here's the reason I say I'm kicking myself. We... I was around Frank Zappa um, before he died, and I didn't know about Frank Zappa at that time period. And then afterwards, I got into I got into Joe's Garage and Thingfish and Tinseltown Rebellion and like you know Sheiker Booty and make a jazz noise here and just you can't can't do it on stage and you know anymore and like there's like there's so many different thing apostrophe like just so many different great albums that i just discovered and i kind of absorbed and became a zappa fan and um you know if i could go back in time you know two weeks before he died right. and just <laughs> sit and talk with him i mean dude two weeks that's crazy that's like i that wasn't that's not much of a window to no no yeah know, and and you know i knew about you know i knew about you know i i i met you know his wife judy and and the guich turns out is the name of his cat oh, okay that was <laughs> that was that the n word password yeah for the we're here to see the guich <laughs> it was a, frank's cat you know <laughs> and um so it was just kind of a cool thing just chilling with kennedy in the zappa house like it was just really weird Holy memories shit. of of things that that have occurred that it's one of those moments where like I wish, you know, if I could go back in time, that would have been a moment where I, you know, I wouldn't, it's not selfish. I wouldn't go like time travel. I wouldn't, you know, go back and change events to, you know, or I, I'm going to play the lottery and I'll change. Cause I like, 
I like who I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Where I'm at, I'm you seem I'm content. Supposed, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah, you know, you know wouldn't have, wouldn't have met you if I had taken a different path in life. You know, perchance I might <laughs> have been a spot, spot welder and you know in the, in the Texas uh, oil fields or something. You know, and um, <laughs> and uh, you know it's. I, I think that there's moments where just if you could go back and and alter just enough to make yourself appreciate or absorb sure, yeah. or kind of be more uh, in tune with what's going on at the moment. So you get more out of it. I think that's definitely one of those moments. Well, it's still amazing that he existed and you enjoy his music now. So Absolutely. that's pretty, I mean, I'm still, I'm just in the beginning stages of getting into his music. So, and I know there's a there's Alex, weird stuff out there. I that's hard to, yeah. I was <laughs> just listening to apostrophe, which is amazing. And uh, I'm excited for the Alex Winters documentary that's oh, coming yeah. out very soon um, to learn even more. Um, well, plus being a musician too, like the, it's you know, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just insanity. For, for me, um, I I started out with like classical guitar, and then started I moved to bass in '94, and um, then that's that's I would call myself a bassist, but. You know, to go back and, you know, because I like, I listen to the drums a lot, you know, it's like Joe's Garage, you know, you got Warren Cucurulo on guitar, you got Vinnie Kaliuta on the drums, just amazing. And for apostrophe on drums, you got Ainsley Dunbar. And they, oh, so sweet. <laughs> apostrophe is a great album. I'm going to listen to it again. Don't you today. eat that yellow snow? Yeah, exactly. Another line that's in the episode of Your Pretty Face, you know, this week. And, you know, and uh, we're all friends of the Gweech. Oh, yeah. We are the Gweech. You now know about the Gweech. Um, well, I thank you so much, Dustin, for being on the show, introducing us to Black Adder and telling all these amazing stories. And um, do you have any final words, uh, Jerry Springer words, that you want to spread to, to the, all the people listening? Yes. You are not the father. <laughs> I guess that's it's more Mori Povich. Yeah, but, but. but you know, whatever, whatever keeps you from paying um, alimony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever keeps you from spending an entire lifetime with someone who really isn't attached to it all in any way, have an impact on someone who's close to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Justin. We'll see you on the flip side. On the flip side. That was a treat, huh? Dustin Diamond in the flesh via voice, via podcast in your ear. Um, we had a good time. We watched some Black Adder, heard some cool stories about the old Saved by the Bell days. And, um, you know, what more is there to say? Uh, or as Jay-Z once said, what more can I say? Um, but he said it better, and um, my throat is, uh, I lost my voice a little bit last night. So it sounded better when he said it. But thanks for listening, and uh, a special thank you to Jamie Rabinowitz, who uh, wrote a five-star review on iTunes and, and said either the word adios or duty. She uh, or he used the word adios, but if you give a five-star review, use the word adios or duty, I will shout you out and can consider you a bro or a bro at um so jamie thank you so much for listening thanks to everybody else have a great night and early manana adios amigos that was a headgum podcast <laughs>